Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 today. Welcome to those of you joining us here in the sanctuary and a shout out to those of you in Auditorium 2. So glad that you're here today. Also want to welcome if you're joining us online, maybe by way of television or the podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, would you stand with me today? And uh, we are, some of you have that look like, I just got comfortable. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll be here a while. So here we go. Uh, We've been walking through the passage of scripture we call the Lord's Prayer, and it is a helpful, healthy thing for us as we're doing that to say this, not just say it or read it, but to pray it together. So we've been doing that in this series. Let's go ahead, Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Would you say this with me? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Father, we thank you for your word that Jesus, you taught so long ago that's still so relevant today. And so as we look at the words of this model for prayer, God, would you speak to each one of our hearts that we today, when this service is done, will know you better. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. We've started New Year's by talking about the Lord's Prayer, and kind of a little challenge that every day in the month of January, you would not just say, but you would pray the Lord's Prayer. And we used a little model, because I need, I need to simplify things from my brain. We used a little model to help us, where we talked about how we look up, we look down, we look in, we look out. And we taught this on New Year's Day. If you weren't with us, you can go back and find that on YouTube or Facebook or our website. But what we did is we talked about this is the part in the Lord's Prayer when it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a, that's a part when we look up to God. And then when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We, we look down into our open hands and say, God, how do you wanna use my hands for your kingdom God, here is what I'm asking from you. So we look up to God. We look down into our open hands. Then when we talk about praying for forgiveness for ourselves and forgiving others, that's looking in at our own lives. And then when we talk about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, we're, we're looking out for things that we want to stay away from in our lives. So, so help me with this, because if I do it by myself, I just feel silly, okay? So do this with me. So we look up and we look down and we look in and we look out. Okay, so that's how we're praying through the Lord's Prayer. And today we're just going to focus on the look up part and we're going to go to that passage that takes us there. So it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Isn't it interesting? He does not say this then is what you should pray. He says this is how you should pray. So he's not saying always say these same words. He's saying, I'm giving you a model, look up, down, in, out, for how you can pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed 
be your name. So we're gonna look at that little part of the passage today, and my hope is this, that it will mean more to us in just a moment so that when we talk to God, we'll know who we're talking to. This is, I need to say this, while Rhonda, my wife's in the room, but I am much, much older than she is. It's important for you to know. So while I graduated from high school and went to Bible college, we were, we were high school sweethearts. And so she was back home in Warren, Ohio. I was going to college in Springfield, Missouri. And you've got to remember that when I went to college, Alexander Graham Bell had just invented the telephone. <laughs> right? So we couldn't text. We couldn't FaceTime. We, didn't, we wrote letters. And then one day a week, because I'm just this kind of poor college student, one day a week, I would call her. It was long distance. And we knew this day, this time, we would talk. It, it was sacred. Nothing else got in the way. That was kind of the highlight of my week. And people knew it, right? So I, I lived, the dorms we lived in, my roommate and I had one room. And then right next door to us were a couple other guys in the next room. And there was a bathroom in between us that we shared, right? So dorm room, dorm room, bathroom in between us that we shared, which four guys in college sharing a bathroom is a whole nother scary sermon. <laughs> Parents, teach your children to clean the bathroom. Can I get an amen? Okay, so that just, that's, lunch is coming. So we're gonna leave that alone. We got these guys next door. And they knew my routine, my schedule, they knew this call was important. So one day, they were a couple upperclassmen. I'm just a little freshman. One day I was in the dorm room by myself and I'm studying and one of the guys next door walks through the bathroom and just comes walking into our room. He must have been bored or something. He just came in, sat down on the couch, and wanted to start having a conversation. Well, I didn't want to have a conversation. I was trying to get some stuff done, but he just kind of sits down. So he's just kind of sitting there looking around, and he looks over. And on this little end table, I had Rhonda's senior picture was sitting there. And I, so I'm going to go, huh. Looked at her, huh, in a way that bothered me. <laughs> and he looked at it, and he goes, who's that? I says, that's my girlfriend. He goes, no, it's not. <laughs> Is that your sister? He says, no, it's not my sister. The, the, the person I talk to every day or every week on that day at that time, that's my girlfriend. He goes, that's your girlfriend? Like he saw some kind of discrepancy there. <laughs> that's when I kicked him out of my room. Kicked him out. Because now all of a sudden he caught a glimpse of her and he realized why that day at that time every week was sacred to me because now he knew who I was talking to. Now he knew why that was so important. And sometimes when we talk to God, I don't think we know who we're talking to. What we need is a glimpse of him to understand that he's not just a force, he's not just some power. Sometimes we talk about the man upstairs or sometimes people talk about nature, mother nature, right? We, we talk about all these different ways to talk about him, but once you get a glimpse and see him, then all of a sudden it makes more sense. Here's, here's my question to you. Who are you talking to? Like when you pray that prayer, have you seen him in a way that you know and understand who this is that you're talking to. So we're gonna talk about our Father, who's in heaven today, that Jesus says to us, and some things to keep in mind when we talk to him, five of them that we just wanna look at quickly today. The first one is this, our heavenly Father is real. Number one, our heavenly Father 
is real. We do have a tendency, and I, and I think people like to talk about a force or a power or something ethereal that's out there. And when Jesus talked to us about who we were talking to, in fact, 17 times at least, just in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus refers to God in heaven as our Father. He's our Father in heaven. So he's real. This is the picture in scripture. And when he says father, he doesn't just mean like the one who formed or made. Isn't it interesting? We talk about George Washington and we say that he was the father of our nation, but he's not your father. We, we talk about that. That's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here isn't like a leader or creator. In Greek, it's the word pater, P-A-T-E-R, which is a translation from the Aramaic, which is probably the language that Jesus was speaking in Palestine in the first century, Aramaic for Abba. Have you ever heard that word before? It's not the band. That's not what we're talking about. Abba is the everyday common Aramaic word that was used for father, for, for dad, for daddy. It has kind of an intimacy in the relationship, so much so that when Luke gives us the Lord's Prayer, he gives it to us just a little bit different. Luke chapter 11, verse two, says that Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Just, just start with, with Dad. <laughs> Father, that relationship that's there. We can have a tendency to, to take that for granted. We, we forget that that's the reality of that relationship. When you're talking to him, you're talking to a father, I think that's part of why the image of God in the parable that Jesus tells us in Luke 15 about the prodigal son, a story that has transcended not just biblical terms, but, but people all over the world know that, that phrase, the prodigal son, talks about a loving father, and that picture sticks. Except that, for some of us, we've, we've had a model in our minds and in our lives of a great father. When we think of our dads, we think hero, we think influence, we think love, we think presence. The truth is that's not everybody. Like for some of us, that's the picture we have of our father. But for others of us, when we think father, we think absent. We think angry. We think warmth for some of us when we think dad. And for some of us, we think coldness and distance. For some of us, it may stir up trauma, maybe even bitterness. And it's important that we recognize we have to separate the images that we have of our earthly father from the truth of who our heavenly father is. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But when we talk about our heavenly father, we're not talking about an earthly picture that has all of its flaws and failures. When we talk about our heavenly father, we talk about the picture of what a father should be. Does that make sense? We got uh, quite a few people on our staff, some young men who are in that season of life when they've got little kids at home, right? And that, you know, kind of five and under. And it's just kind of fun to watch them kind of going through this unique season that we've, we've already been through. And I enjoy watching, like say on a, on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night, when we've been done with service, oftentimes, the dads of these little kids have been in with the youth group or they've been in here helping to navigate things, make things happen. We, we got our staff kind of scattered throughout the building. And oftentimes, their little kids have been <clears throat> down in the kids' ministry. And oftentimes, because 
dad's wrapping up his, his you know, work responsibilities, mom will pick the kids up, and then what'll happen is that somewhere, kind of out around the fireplace in the atrium, can you picture it with me? That's when these little ones catch a glimpse of their father, and I see it happen on a weekly basis, where one of them sees their dad, and immediately the words come, daddy, and they go full sprint. Do you know what I'm talking about? They just go. Not too long ago, I literally was walking just right outside the auditorium here with one of those guys, and their daughter was down on the end, and saw him, and just full sprint down the hallway from the fireplace down here to the front. Do not get in their way. They are tiny, but they pick up speed. They will take you out if you are between them and daddy. Because their image has not been kind of warped and tarnished yet by dad's frailties. What they know is what I think is hardwired inside of us. This isn't to minimize mom, but hardwired inside of us, that's my guy. And he protects me and he provides for me and I can count on him and I'm gonna run to him. And sometimes we let the failures of our earthly fathers keep us from recognizing the perfection of our heavenly one. Are you with me? And I need to go, I've gotta run to my perfect heavenly father. And when I pray, I'm not praying to the air. I'm not praying to some force or some power. I am literally praying to my perfect heavenly father who is there and is real and wants a he wants a relationship with me. Whether your dad did or not, your real heavenly father wants a relationship with you, which take that the next step. Number one, our heavenly father is real. Look at this, number two, our heavenly father is powerful. In fact, he's all powerful because he doesn't just say our father, it says our father who is in heaven. So he's not just our earthly dad with all his kind of failures and, and limits. He is our perfect heavenly father who transcends anything that we can understand. He has no limits. He is full of perfection. And this power that's there, he is the creator of all things. He's the one that gives you breath. He's the one who gave you life and he is all powerful, which is awesome because how many times do kids get in those playground conversations? My dad can beat up your dad. Well, your dad can beat up anybody because <laughs> he is all powerful. He is the creator of all things. And it's this funny balance that you and I have when we pray that we have a God who loves us and wants relationship with us. And yet he has all power and can do anything. He is without limits. When I was probably, like at this point, I was probably junior high, high school. I have like multiple very clear memories of being like in our kitchen at home. And that kind of, you know, became like a gathering place at times, whether it was like getting things ready for mealtime or people coming and going or whatever. And having these conversations with me and my mom and dad kind of being there in the kitchen. And I'd start to tell them some things about my day. And I'd tell them about a kid that wasn't nice. Or I'd tell them about a teacher and what, what they did wasn't fair. Or I'd tell them how bad the food was in the cafeteria or something, right? Just about my day. And my dad would look at me and he'd just go, do you want me to go down there? He never meant it, but it was his way of saying, quit your crying, because he knew what middle school kid wants their dad marching into school, right? <laughs> and he'd look at me, and he'd go, you want me to go down there? I'll go down there right now. I will go down there right now, and I will tell that teacher, dad, no, no. And at the one hand, he was being goofy. At the other hand, he was always reinforcing for me, you know I have your back. And if he ever really needed to go down there, he'd have gone down there. 
if the moment was right, if it crossed the line, if it was time to make it happen, you know what I knew? And I'd watched my dad. My dad was just cool and fun and calm, but don't you cross Bob Gilligan's line. Because when you did, my mom's friend used to refer to him having the voice of God. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> it was a fearful thing. But here's the thing. If he ever needed to, he would have gone down there. And you have a heavenly father who did go down there. And he sent his son Jesus who came down here and died on a cross so that you could have forgiveness. And on the third day he rose again so that you could have life. And then he sent his Holy Spirit so that you'd never be alone. And that you would know no matter what you were walking through that the all powerful God was always with you. Now, I might not be able to look at every one of you and go, you're going through this and you're going through that and you're going through, but I hear enough to know that we're going through a lot. And it might be in your job or your finances or what the doctor just said or what your spouse just said. Whatever it is that you're walking through and we can have a tendency when we pray to kind of pray out of a place where we're in desperation but we don't have much confidence. And can I tell you, when you pray to a God who's very real, he has all power and he can step in and he can change and he can do the miraculous. Have you seen the miraculous? Like I've watched what he can do in our lives. And so sometimes he shows up with all power and sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. Because sometimes the prayers that I pray aren't just so God does what I want him to do. Sometimes the prayers that I pray are so that I will put confidence in him and trust him that even if I'm going through a difficult time, I know the all-powerful God has my back at all times. And sometimes it's not until you look back later that you see that. Because sometimes dads know what's good for us when we don't, true? <laughs> and we have to trust him that our very real God is all powerful and is with us in every moment, in the difficult times of our lives, which takes us then to the third thing. Number three, not just is our heavenly father powerful, but our heavenly father is holy. This is the interesting part of all the facets of what he talks about here. Our father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. There was a Sunday school class kind of early elementary kids that were learning the Lord's Prayer. And the teacher was teaching it to them and they'd learn it and if they'd, they got it right, they got like a little prize. And so the kids would get up and they'd have to recite the Lord's Prayer. And one of these little kids got up one Sunday in Sunday school class and didn't quite have it right, but said, our Father who art in heaven, how do you know my name? <laughs> kind of easy to mess up. We don't say hallowed, hallowed be thy name. That's not a part of our vocabulary. What does it mean? When the Bible talks about name, it's talking about the, the person, like everything about that individual, their character, the, their activity, who they are, kind of their personhood. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. That's why you'll see often in the scriptures, we lift up his name, not just to say a certain combination of letters, but who that person really is. And we, it, we're told to hallow his name. What's the word hallow mean? To make something holy. Here's the funny part. Is God holy because you said he was? Is God holy because somehow when we just prayed the Lord's Prayer, his holyometer went up a little bit? No, that's not how it works. He's holy because he's holy. 
So when I hallow his name, when I make him holy, it's not about what happens to him, it's about what happens in me. And that I recognize his holiness, that I recognize who he is, that it fills me with awe and that it fills me with wonder and that I see who he is and it changes my perception. It changes who I think God is and it changes how I wanna live my life. So when I recognize that he's holy, one of the things that it leads me to do is to praise him, to thank him. That's why we say when we start the Lord's Prayer, we look up to our real, all-powerful Father and we make him holy in our lives and part of that comes just, just through gratitude. There is something powerful about gratitude. Scientists have done research in the brain activity of people thinking and feeling gratitude, like they've measured those things. And it shows that gratitude causes synchronized activation in multiple brain regions. It lights up parts of the brain's reward pathways in the hypothalamus. In short, gratitude can boost neurotransmitter serotonin and activate the brainstem to produce dopamine, our brain's pleasure chemical. I need that in real words. Anybody else? <laughs> the more we think positive, grateful thoughts, the healthier and happier we are. That's true about gratitude <laughs> because we're wired to praise someone greater than us. And when we give God praise, when we live with gratitude, it changes how we feel. Rhonda said to me the other day, we, we've had multiple days this week where all day it looks like the sun's about to go down. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like all day it's just outside. And then did anybody see the sunrise this morning? Like it was beautiful. And I'm driving in and I see the sun going up and I'm like, Lord, you love me. <laughs> the sun is shining on Calvary. Lord, thank you for this, you know, as I see it. But there's other days when I'm like, mur, 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 you know? But those days, even when it's not sunny on the outside, when I give praise on the inside to my God who's holy, we are physically wired to be happier and healthier. That's awesome, right? When we see it that way. So part of making him holy is taking our eyes off of ourselves and off of our challenges and off of our troubles and know that there's a God who already came down here and he's with us and we give him praise because he's holy. I wanna show you one other passage though. That holiness isn't just as we worship. It isn't just as we show gratitude. Look at this, Matthew chapter five, verse 16. We read this a few weeks ago. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Oh, look who's here, your Father in heaven. Who are we praying to? Our heavenly, help, help, help me here, just right. our heavenly Father, right? So he says here, one of the ways that you hallow his name is by living in a way that lets your light shine. The way that you live out holiness in honor of a holy God will show that to other people. Part of my praying is my living. Part of my worship is what I do day to day. And I live in a certain way. I choose to live a life of holiness, a life that honors God because he's holy. Have you ever, you ever watched the Olympics and you, and you watch when, you, when, when they have the Olympics and you see this at other like sporting events that are global in some way or another, but they have the parade and the opening ceremonies. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
And all those people come marching in and they're wearing the colors of their countries and they've got the flags of their country out in front of them. And every single one of them has kind of this unique, for the most part, kind of patriotic pride that comes in. And then when someone wins and they stand up there on that gold medal podium and they raise the flag and they play that country's national anthem, so many times, if you watch them get overwhelmed in that moment, Sure, it's their accomplishment, but there's something about that that can bring tears to their eyes because not only did they do this for themselves, they're standing for their country. They're reverencing that flag. They know that they're doing what they're doing. They're living how they're living. They've, they've prepared and sacrificed how they have because of something that's greater than they are. And when we are told, hallow be his name, when we're told to let our light shine, we do it because we serve a God who's holy and greater than we are, and he is worthy of our reverence in the way that we live our lives. So we pray to a God who's real, who's all-powerful, who's holy, and then here's the fourth one, number four. Our heavenly Father is present. He's with us. Because even though we believe that he's there, Sometimes we wonder if he's really with us. They had another little guy get up in that Sunday school class that was reciting the Lord's Prayer. Here's how he said it. Our Father who art in heaven, I know you know my name. <laughs> well, we don't get the hallowed part right. But isn't it good to know that somebody knows your name? I don't know the story with your dad, but I know the one with our heavenly Father and he is present. Romans chapter eight, verse 15, interesting picture here of our heavenly father. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry. That's what we were looking at earlier, right? Abba, father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children, Right? Sometimes we question, does God love us? Is God with us? Does God hear us? Is God present in my life? Because sometimes it feels like he's asleep. Sometimes he feels like he's not there. And we wonder, where is God in my life? And the beauty of this, if you remember last week when we were, when we were talking about some tips for prayer, we looked at Matthew 6, verse 7, that tells us about our Heavenly Father. And it says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He's aware, he knows, he's present in your life, and he's there. And look, I know for some of us, we, we wonder sometimes. We go through seasons where it seems like he's silent, or like he's not doing anything, or like he's not helping and sometimes we've just got to be remembered that, that as we look at scripture and as we look at our lives, there's seasons like that sometimes, but that doesn't mean that God's not there. It's a reminder that God is always present. I don't, I don't know if every kid has these moments or if I just need therapy, but I remember when I was a little kid laying in bed and having these just kind of weird thoughts that would come my way. I remember laying in bed at night and thinking to myself, I wonder if my parents are still here. I, I wonder if someone came and took them. I wonder if they just got tired of Chad and left. 
And I would have these thoughts run through my mind. And I, I don't know if every, was, do, anyway, am I, was it me? It was me. Thank you. I'll call and get some help tomorrow. And so I would, I would have these thoughts and I can remember just these weird thoughts running through my mind. You know, are they there? Maybe they left. Maybe I watched too many cartoons or something. I don't know what happened. And then my dad, we lived in kind of a, just a small, normal size kind of ranch house. And my bedroom was kind of right next to my mom and dad's. And my dad's incredible talent, like his, he had the spiritual gift of snoring. It was amazing. It was amazing what that man could do. And I can remember laying in bed and thinking, what if somebody took him? What if I'm here forever by myself? What if they left me? And in the midst of my fear, I'd hear <laughs> And it was the sweetest sound. Because I knew that I wasn't alone. And look, the Bible tells us that your God does not sleep and he does not slumber. But some of you needed this message today so you could hear God snore a little bit. <laughs> and that in your fear and in your doubt, and in your situation, you would know that you serve a God who even though, and I don't, I don't know why, this is probably a whole other conversation, I don't know why sometimes I have all those questions and I wonder if he's there. Even then he's promised, he'll never leave you or forsake you. And you can know and pray with confidence that he's right there with you. Which takes us then, just to wrap up to the, the fifth thing, not only is our heavenly father present, but number five, our heavenly father is loving. Our heavenly father is loving. I, one of my favorite passages of scripture is the words here in 1 John chapter 3, verse one. I love this. See what great love the father has. He didn't just say given, nor did he say very stingily passed along. He said, see what great love the father has lavished. I love that word. He's lavished it on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are God's children. The word tells us that, tells us that he loves us, that he's poured out his love for us. Here's the challenge though. There are a lot of other voices that we can listen to that will question that narrative. Like sometimes it's just in our own culture that we hear words that come. Have you ever heard the phrase, how could a loving God ever? And people look at tragedy that happens. And people look at what they view to be like a barbaric God in the Old Testament. And we start to ask this question and we say, how could a loving God? And sometimes it's, it's not the culture or people around us, it's our own heads that begin to talk to us and say, how could God ever love you? Like you did this or they did that or there's this that happened, or there's that that happened, and we begin this narrative in our head where we start to question because there was this time or this place where we stumbled, and then because of that, that probably means that God can't love us anymore. And one of the things that the enemy loves to do is get you to question the fact that there's a loving God because if he can tell you something that's not true and you believe it, it can throw off your whole course. There's a guy, he, he has his own photography studio. His name's Mark Gubin. And he bought an old, uh, like an old, like one of those old one screen movie theater buildings. And that's where his studio was. And he had kind of storage there and all this stuff. 1978, one day he was sitting in his studio and he was bored. He thought to himself, I got an idea. So he grabbed a tub of white paint and he went up on the roof of his studio and up on the roof, he wrote these words. We've got a picture of it for you. He wrote, welcome to Cleveland. 
Just wrote it on the top of his roof because planes, as they would make their approach, would go right over his, his building there. And so he rode up there, welcome to Cleveland, so that as planes came in, they would see it because the flight path for runway 19 at the Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport went right over his building. So as people were landing in Milwaukee, they would read, welcome to Cleveland. So for decades, perplexed passengers have looked out the window, hit the call button for the flight attendant, and said, I was trying to go to Milwaukee. And they're like, yeah, we know. That's not true. And so much of the world has given us a narrative that God's not loving. And so much of your experience has caused you to question, how could God love me? Several, I think it was a couple months ago now, I told a story, I don't know if you remember, about a time when I had to do a presentation in a class for seminary and I slept through the presentation. Does anybody remember this? Oh, that's too bad that you remember that. The passage of scripture, and I'll never forget this passage because this was the passage I was supposed to do a presentation on, was Hosea chapter 11. We have this idea that the God of the Old Testament was mean and cruel and heartless. Look at this, Hosea chapter 11. I love this passage. When Israel was a child... I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. God says, but the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals. Those are false gods. And they burned incense to images. And he goes on to say, it was I who taught Ephraim. Ephraim's another name for Israel. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. He goes on to say, to them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. Does that sound like a cruel, mean God to you? It sounds like a God who loved his children. And even though they rebelled, he continued to love them. I've told you I'm a grandpa now. Lewis is four and a half months old. And I don't mean to be rude or anything, but he's cooler than any other baby. <laughs> and there's something about when you're around that little guy that you just watch him. He doesn't even have to do anything. And for the last four and a half months, we've celebrated every single thing he's done. Oh, tummy time. You're so good at tummy time. He rolled over, he rolled over, he's picking his nose. Look at him, he got one. You know, you're just, everything. You just celebrate. I had a dream, he's four and a half months old. I had a dream a couple weeks ago where he and I were just sitting there and he looked at me and just started talking. And then Carissa, he's talking, I'm yelling in the dream. Because you're just celebrating everything. Because this love this little guy so much. What's the picture God gives us of his relationship with you? He literally took you by the hand leads you because he loves you and even when you stumble he's there the God who picks you up and holds you close to his cheek and he feeds you I love that picture one of our kids was probably I don't know three or four years old they've been outside and we were kind of coming inside and we had at the at the far end of our living room this green chair, it was upholstered up top, but it had wood legs on the bottom, and the wood legs weren't rounded, they were square. 
So they had real sharp corners on them. And, and one of our kids just came running in the house, which they probably shouldn't have done to begin with because you know every child should never run in the house, right? <laughs> and they came running in the house and as, as he did, he tripped and it could not have been more perfectly choreographed because he kind of went flying across the living room until the corner of that leg stopped his forehead right between the headlights. Like, I mean, he hit full weight, full speed, just bam, right into the corner of that leg. And his head didn't split open, but it immediately was like, like this, just swelled up, got real red, then it got black and blue. For about a month, he looked like a, a Klingon. Star Trek people, just bam, weird head. And uh, we're terrified, right? Because we knew something was not right. So we immediately called friend who was a nurse and they were very gracious and they came over and like took a look and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and in that moment though, he had done what he should not have done and he stumbled and he messed things up and he had the scars to prove it. And I did not stand there and go, I told you not to run in the house. I didn't say, why are you so clumsy like your dad? <laughs> you know what I said? I said, buddy, 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 are you okay? Buddy, buddy, are you all right? Like, I mean, we, we picked him up and we got him in a place and we got ice on it. We called somebody for help. Like we did everything we could because in that moment, our focus was not on his stumble. Our focus was on, do you know how much we love you? And we're, we're gonna make sure you're all right and you get through this. And some of you need to know that when you pray to God, when, whether you're down on your knees or wherever you are, you pray to a God who is real, who has all power and in his incredible holiness is always with you. And some of you need to know that no matter what, he loves you more than you can even begin to imagine. So can you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Because there's, there's like three areas of response that we need to consider today. And the first is this. For some of you, when I talked about how God came down and that God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus, who died on a cross so your sins could be forgiven, you said, I need my sins forgiven. And when I said he rose on the third day so that we could have life and purpose, you said, I need, I need purpose in my life. And today would be a day sitting in this room, listening to this, watching on a screen somewhere, where you would say, I can't do life on my own anymore. And I need to today, or I need today to again, invite Jesus to take my life and be my savior and my Lord. And if today you know that your simple prayer is Jesus, I give you my life. Do you just raise your hand right where you are? You can raise it, put it right back down. This is just between you and God, where you would say, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your purpose and meaning in my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Anybody else? Here's what I'm gonna ask. If, if, you, if you raised your hand, or if you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sins 
be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If, if you prayed that prayer and you're joining us online or by television, then I wanna encourage you, you can go out to our website, littlecalvary.org, and there you can find a link that you can click to learn more about Jesus. We would love to help you as you grow in your relationship with him. If you prayed that prayer here today, I wanna encourage you right after the service, we'll have friends down here at the front who would love the opportunity to pray with you. We have a Bible we wanna give to you that's easy to read and understand and to help you know how you can grow in that relationship. That's the first and most important thing today is that today you can have a relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus. The, the second hope that I would have today is that when you look up to pray this week, you look up with more confidence because you know who you're talking to, a God who's real and powerful and holy and present and who loves you, who loves the things that you're in the midst of and need help. He loves you in spite of your past and he loves to be right there next to you. And one of the best ways that we can express that today is to turn our prayer into praise. So would you stand with me? And uh, we are going to wrap up by looking up to our God and to our Father who is in heaven. If you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands even right now with me and just begin to thank him. Maybe there was one of those five things we talked about today that somehow resonated with you. And, and right now you just need to kind of do some business with God. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the truths from your word. And our Father who's in heaven, today we make your name holy in our lives because you are light and you are life and you are love. And so we proclaim God, great are you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Lord, when we pray those words this week, pray that by your spirit, they would mean something more to us than they ever have before. God, we would know you that when we look up to you, our Father who is real, powerful, holy, that we would remember that your loving presence is right there with us. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.